And you're introducing the good people. Happy Black History Month. Salam alaikum, my sister. <laughs> it's That's a Tough One podcast. And I am introing the show today. <laughs> As you are right now. Yes. My name is Morgan. And I'm here with my co host, JD. Yes. <laughs> is that how I say my name usually? <laughs> and we're back with our topics, our stories. Our conversation, our bad jokes. Never, our never a bad joke. Long pauses where we take sips of our beverages that we sip during the show. Mm. Um, and we, we got a pre Valentine's, pre Super Bowl episode of That's a Tough One. So, you know, we're going to be spending the weekend, much like many of y'all are, just enjoying loved ones, enjoying some football. So, we're recording a little early today. But we are also like bursting with stories. We have a ton of stories to talk about. So we'll see how many we can get through. It might be like a, I have a lot of minis. I don't know what you have, but. See, I tried to limit my stories from all the stories I did have. But I, <laughs> I burst back. We're going to burst back. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, all right. You, you want to kick us off? Oh, shit. I didn't know how to kick it. <laughs> I was ill prepared to kick. I know. That's how it feels when you're on the other side. I guess uh, just a quick one. Uh, John Leguzman. What's his name? John Leguzman. He was in Romeo plus Juliet. Leguzamo. Leguzamo says he keeps out of the sun to stay light-skinned to, to get work. Yeah, he says a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember a couple years ago, he went on like a big Twitter rant about no Latino people winning, I think, Emmys. And it was the same year that the... Um, one of the guys from When They See Us won an Emmy, and he's actually Afro-Latino. And then people went on to kind of point out, like, oh, there are also a lot of Afro-Latinos who nominate, who were nominated or won awards um, recently, and he kind of ignored that. And so, <laughs> yeah, he, he seemed like he got some isms. Mm-hmm. He got some isms. He can have isms over there. He can have isms. And he's trying to make sure his skin stays a certain way by staying out the sun. But, you know, everybody's allowed to do what they want to do. It's just now I'm happy I know. Here's my question. What is it you think? Is it like being a celebrity and thinking that what your opinions on things are important or just the fact that people are always asking you questions and they have like a microphone in your face? It's just like, what is it you think makes people feel like they need to volunteer information like that? <laughs> like he could have killed it to himself his whole life and it, would, <laughs> it wouldn't have made anybody think less of him if he never would have said anything. Nobody would have known. It's just the fact that you want to bring this up. Like, hey, man, they know you you some type of brown. They're not, not giving you the role because you are slightly more brown than you were a week ago after the sun hit you. Yeah, I feel like not, John, at his level, I don't think John Leguizamo having a tan is going to stop him from getting an acting role. And it's, it's a shame that he feels that way because, I mean... It's really hard to, I don't know if anybody has ever tried to avoid getting a tan. Like for me, I know I try really hard to avoid sunburn. So I try to stay out of the sun. I wear like an SPF shirt, but it's hard to do, especially if you're like on vacation or you were somewhere, you live somewhere warm. Like it's really hard to not get any type of tan ever. Mm, he must have a lot of wide brim hats. He ended up taking a milk bath, like, mm. in, a, like in a, what was that, Queenie? The, the movie with Holly Berry? I don't even know. They hug people trying to make us say like. But um, yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. It makes you bring up remember Sammy Sosa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sammy was on the cream. Sammy was on the cream. That's, <laughs> anybody that haven't seen yeah. that, you look up Sammy Sosa and 
the the, the before and after pictures will come up. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. You got you got another story for us? I do. What you got? Um, this one is a little sad. <gasps> no. But also like a little. Well, well, I'll I'll tell you. My feelings. So this one comes from Newsweek and it covers a incident at a Chick Fil A and the title is Chick Fil A uh, order argument turns fatal as shot fired in drive through. At the Chick Fil A. It's Chick Fil A. Which, first of all, shame on you for bringing that behavior to Chick Fil A. This is not the place. This is not a Burger King. Did you go to do some impossible shit when you eat the impossible walk? But not at Chick Fil A. <laughs> and now I know Chick Fil A. You know, a lot of people don't eat, eat there for moral reasons, and they, you know, they have a problematic uh, places where they donate their money sometimes. Mm-hmm. But it's still the workers are good people. They have good service, and you don't typically have conflicts like that. Chick-fil-A like you would see at McDonald's or Burger King or something. So basically what happened was uh, the driver of the car, uh, his name is Kondarius Vaughn, was in the drive-thru when he began arguing about his order, the orders that were being taken in the car with the backseat passenger. And so Vaughn uh, basically grabbed his gun and started waving it around and he was pointing it toward the roof of the car and then he pointed it on his brother, who was also in the back seat. And so they started tussling over the gun. And when his brother like hit him, hit his hand to get the gun out of his face, um, Devon accidentally discharged the gun and he shot himself. <laughs> so <laughs> is Vaughn okay? One of his friend, the other person who was in the back seat, his friend jumped in uh, to the driver's seat. And drove him to the hospital, but he did die from his injuries. Wow. I mean, it was a close gunshot, you know. So they say where he got shot on the body? Or? Um, They didn't, but I'm assuming it probably was all the bad places you don't want to get shot. His torso or his face or his yeah. neck. Because just the way he was positioned, like fighting with somebody in the front seat and the people in the back seat. So, wow. um, yeah, all over arguing over a Chick-fil-A order. Like, why are you even arguing? Like, and that's, that goes with your impulse control that you felt like you're so frustrated over how we're ordering this Chick-fil-A that I'm going to pull out a gun mm-hmm. and start waving it at my family member. And this was just one of recent um, stories that happened around the same time. Another one was um, an argument in a Publix in Miami between two men in a checkout line and one killed the other one uh, with a weapon, with a gun. And another one that happened around the same time was an 18-year-old who shot and killed at a hookah lounge. And those, you know, those types of after-the-club arguments are, are pretty common. But I definitely think there's a through line here of, like you said, I'm really mad and I don't know how to count to 10, take some deep breaths, use my words like I just I have a gun so I'm gonna pull it yeah. and he it basically killed himself because he brought the gun into the situation he it accidentally discharged in his hand and he was killed with his own weapon yeah because you you were you were trying to threaten somebody and they didn't want to be threatened anymore and pushed them in a way which is their which is their right what they should do I'm not gonna let you keep on the gun because see how easily it could have shot off well I mean I'm not trying to be funny but maybe the brother trained at the Detroit self-defense school <laughs> 
And I mean, that dude be telling us all the time, what he say? You flick the gun, right? And boom, move your head, boom. And it worked. It did it did work. It mm-hmm. did work. It does also seem like he was also not trying to shoot his brother, but trying to assert a certain level of dominance. Exactly. So. <laughs> the training works. The, you... the training is successful. He might be he might be an ad. He might be the new spokesperson. <laughs> the man that killed that accidentally killed his brother. Unfortunately, his brother did. His brother killed himself. His brother did kill himself. The gun was in his hand. He was the one threatening people with the gun. If he here's my thing, and I know people. I'm not saying that people shouldn't be able to own guns. I'm not. I'm not an advocate of everybody in America not nobody being able to own a weapon. But what I'm saying is, the research shows. You're more likely to be a victim of gun violence if you have a gun in your home. Mm-hmm. Or in this case, in his car. Because you are probably more likely to introduce a gun into the situation. So, have a gun for self-protection. But maybe if y'all ordering about, arguing about waffle fries, maybe just don't pull a gun out. Yeah, that maybe that's not the moment. Because, I mean, and I don't know what type of gun owner, gun owner he was. But I feel like when they teach you gun safety as a for being a responsible gun owner, you have to learn that everything everything you point the gun at, you have to be yep. willing to kill. Yeah. If you're not willing, if you're not willing to fire the gun at at somebody or something in front of you, then why do you even have a gun out? Yeah, you don't you don't introduce it into the scenario unless you are prepared for you or somebody else to use it. And yeah. you know what happens to just a good old fashioned cussing somebody out? Mm-hmm. Just I'm, cuss them out. I'm mad you being ignorant back there ordering this food. I just want my my uh my 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 skinless nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. now you can't get no frozen lemonade. Yep. Now you know several lives are ruined. Shout out to the friend who, who, like, you know, snapped into action and jumped in the front seat and, and drove to the hospital. Like, mm. you know, I can only imagine you in a situation like that, how shocking it is for everybody. But it's just too bad somebody lost their life. And I'm sure as he, he realized he was shot and he was fading out. He was like, wow, that was a dumb thing to be mad at. You know? Yeah. People silly. Mm-hmm. Not a good silly. Mm-mm. Yeah. Uh, well... I guess I got another short story we talk about. Cool. Um, just headline: China Zuyi leaves ice in tears after falling again in team competition. Mm. So she was the skater who she fed. She represented China. She fell. Everybody on Weibo, which is I think their version of TikTok, was lighting her ass up. Like, how dare you fall when you represent our country? We let you come here, and then the next uh, in the competition again, she fell for the oh, second wow. time. Mm. Um, and it was a, not really controversial, but kind of because the fact that she was an American skater of Chinese descent and mm-hmm. she decided to give up her American citizenship right. so she can pe- compete for China. And just to go over there and now everybody like making fun of you online and like you're the butt of the joke. Like, man, you can't, we let you come here and now you're going to be falling your ass off. I just thought that was a little wild. My response to that is always like, okay, you go out there and do it then. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, it looks super duper easy when you're watching somebody, but you're talking about a person who is already in the top 1% of skaters to even make it to the Olympics. And you're also talking about a teenager. You know what I mean? You're talking about somebody that's very young, that has a lot of pressure on her. You know, it's from what I understand, the situation in China has been very uncomfortable for a lot of people. Like, a lot of American reporters have actually left the Olympics early this year. And so, who knows what type of environment that she's trying to prepare mentally and physically in. 
So, you know, I know you can't, people on the internet are always going to look for a way to, you know, to trash on you or whatever when you fail. But, hey, I don't, I don't think I could go out there as a, as a teen in a different country, you know, you maybe don't, maybe you're not being told like you can't even socialize with other Americans or you being rejected kind of by the Chinese people. Like she's in a really crazy position to go out there and have to perform. Mm-hmm. And everybody's just little, um, just looking down on her so so negatively. But mm-hmm. I mean, unfortunately, that's that's what you kind of signed up for. Like they're they're looking because apparently a couple of them were were bringing up uh, upset that. She came here. She wasn't even born in China, and now she's representing this country, which is kind of messed up. Because both both her parents are Chinese. Like, hey, all her culture yeah. is coming from from China, from her parents. Well, not her culture, but yeah. how, the environment she was raised is a lot of Chinese in her household. Hey, you know what? And I I know that people think about culture and nationality differently in different places in the world, and like America has a very unique. Uh, way of looking at culture and identity or whatever, but hey, mm-hmm. she she's a young girl, and I, I wish people would give her a little more slack. The internet is mean, uh, you know. People couldn't do half the half the things she got up there and failed it. They couldn't no. even do the easy stuff she was over there doing. So they couldn't even think of it. So mm-hmm. that, that ain't nothing. Yeah, I wish all the best to her. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, I have another mini. Yeah. If you're ready for it. Yeah, I'm ready. All right, so this one comes from NBC News, and it's about one of my favorite topics. Uh, Delta Airlines wants unruly passengers put on the federal no-fly list. So, basically, this request would ensure that people who, you know, they, they refuse to put on a mask, they're drunk, they fight, they have any type of disturbance or outbreak, uh, and you know, they would get put off. Like if the plane has to return or they have to deplane, then boom, you're not flying. They pretty much had enough of it. Um, and they want to also want to zero tolerance for anything that interferes with the, with the progress of the flight or safety of the flight. Um, there's been a hundred percent increase in incidents with unruly passengers since 2019. So what do you, what are your thoughts on that? I don't want to have zero tolerance on it because some some people, no matter what they believe in, in any of the mask or um, drinking on the airline, uh, you got to give a little leeway, depending on what they do. Now, because you don't know what's going on through somebody, what they're going through uh, with their family, what they're going through mentally, if they're suffering just a, a small, men, uh, suffering from a mental illness. I don't want to. I don't want them to be judged on that incident. They're just like, no, I refuse to wear a mask. Mask, and they got in an argument, and they it got escorted off the plane. I don't think they shouldn't be able to ever fly again. Maybe they have like a four month ban or six month ban from airlines on the federal list. Uh, but if it happens two times, done forever. I don't see. I think I definitely understand what you're saying about everybody is not healthy. And I, and I would maybe extend that to, you know, people take medications and they have adverse reactions on flights or, you know, what, whatever type of thing. But when it comes to the mask, you wore the mask through the airport for the most part. And you also had an agreement on the ticket that you were going, when you purchased a ticket, when you got on the plane, when you were boarding, they made the announcements about the mask. So what, in order to get on the plane, when you get to the ticket booth, they make you put on a proper mask, not a bandana, not a valve. So there's many levels 
where people can choose to cut a fool. They wait till they sit down on the plane and then they say, well, I'm not going to put my mask on for the rest of the flight. So that's one. It's like, to me, that says you understand what you're doing because you knew when to wear the mask and when to take it off. That's number one. Number two is it costs money. And I'm not ever advocating for the airlines to make more money, but like you to have a meltdown on the plane and give a speech and have a microphone and all the stuff people are doing, like it costs the, it costs the flight crew time. So now if the flight crew hits eight hours, they they're done for the day. You have to get another flight crew. It costs delays to your fellow passengers, which is the biggest thing to me. And then it costs the airline money. It, it delays the whole day. If your flight is delayed for 30 minutes, cause you have to re 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 uh, board, to deplane to get one person off without having to drag them off the plane, it backs the whole system up. Now you have everybody else for the rest of that day that's impacted. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's you knowing that you are inconveniencing people and you don't care. The mask people in particular, or the people who they want to get into a fight about a seat, or if somebody rolled their eyes at them or whatever. I agree that you should maybe be banned for your life, but I think you should be banned for at least a year. At the very least from that specific airline, if not from any airline. Oh, all airlines, at least a temporary ban. And two and since you're done. But I, I and I also think it's hard with the mask thing, because you see it all the time. People go in the airport, the mask is below their nose. Somebody tells them to pull it up. Mm-hmm. They pull it up before they move on. The, or they just keep walking. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go through the gate. Somebody tells them to pull their mask up. They keep walking. They get to the gate. The person tells them to pull their mask up. They just keep walking. And the person's like, I'm not going to deal with it. But when you get mm-hmm. to that final place in the seat, they say to pull your mask up, there's nowhere for you to walk. That's true. So now you're on the plane. They, if you're not going to put it up, they're going to have to turn this plane around and get you get you thrown off and having to yeah. blow your nose. Yeah. Yes. And I think it's a lot of people who don't understand because like, the one place that I have seen people, well, not the only place, but one of the places where I have seen the strictest mask has to be on, it has to be over the nose, it has to be over the mouth, covered, is on a plane. And they do not play about that. And so I understand that for a lot of people, depending on where you live and where you work, there might be a mask policy and they're just not following it. Or they're, you know, or nobody is following it. Or, you know, like we've all been in places where somebody had the mask under their chin. So it's like, well, I'm wearing it. But, I, you know, but then they get to the airport and it's like, no, actually, you have to wear it over your nose. You have to cover it, wear it the whole entire time for the flight. And then they melt down. And I, again, I understand that maybe for some people it's a surprise. Like I would even be willing to go that far. But what I'm not going to say it's okay is for everybody else to have to get off the plane because you won't put that thing over your nose. Mm. I'm sorry. I have no sympathy for that. I have no sympathy for you inconveniencing everybody around you to make a scene. Like no nobody wants to sit in the plane with that mask on. Mm. It's not comfortable for anybody. But if a four year old can do it and I can do it, you know what I mean? <laughs> I could I done seen old people do it. You should be able to do it. It's like you're not you're not special. I'm sorry. We all got to do this. You know what? We also got to wear stuff that uh, wear shirts when going to the plane too. I, nobody can come on here shirtless. Nobody can come out here with their um their genitals hanging out. We all have to do it. And the crazy thing to me is, it's been people who have been kicked off of planes for leggings, for having their titties out, for having their stomach out, for like inappropriate attire, and smells, for smells like. 
I'm not saying, and I'm not saying any of those things are right or wrong, but the thing is that if they ask you to do something on the plane, is you comply or you not on, you're not making the flight. And so I understand that like Delta has to do something to help the other passengers to help keep the flights on time, keep the business going, but then also to support their employees because at least now Delta can say, Hey, don't quit. We can make it so that if people cut up, they can't turn around and get on another flight. You know, they can't keep doing this type of behavior over and over again. We value our employees and your safety. And we don't want you to have to argue with these people either. They're banned. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I mean, I think in the cert- the same way, like, if, if it's a man who's coming in the store and he's sexually harassing the, the employees there, making people uncomfortable, it's the same thing. We up on this little bitty tube and you going to spit on me or try to punch me and p- kick me, which we've seen videos of. And I have to fight you because there's nobody to protect me. And then you get escorted out the plane and you don't get arrested and you don't get no consequences. Yeah, we got, it definitely has to be consequences. We have to get these people on a no-fly list. Hey, if they had to do a year where they couldn't they couldn't fly any any airline in America, any pri- privately, uh, well, effect, all airlines, they, they just wouldn't mm-hmm. be able to fly. That proved le- at least a lesson. If it happens two times, just permanent ban. You're done. You can't yeah. fly anymore. You you ruined your opportunity to fly. Because, hey, mm-hmm. if, if you get a felony, you can't leave the cu- country anymore. You go, you can't right. get a passport to legally mm-hmm. leave the country. So, same thing. Same thing yeah, with it's got to be a consequence, especially when you see they talk about 100% increase in those incidents. And, I mean, we didn't, we didn't see anybody get removed from a plane, but we saw somebody basically refuse to put her mask on because she didn't like the way she was spoken to. Which wasn't, to me, it wasn't even rude, but it was just like, I'm stressed, the airport sucks, being on a plane sucks, and I'm I'm going to snap on this woman because she's just trying to do her job. You know, I can I see how those situations get crazy real fast. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I, I agree with you to a certain extent. I think they need to have a consequence, and it's a, and a painful consequence to get people to stop. Yeah, if you did, like, first, first one, six months, and every time after that is a five-year ban... There wouldn't, there wouldn't be too many second times. Like, wow, I have to wait five years so I'm able to fly again? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't go to my friend's wedding in Jamaica? Nope. Mm-hmm. Unless you, hey, you, take, you try to take a cruise. Yeah, you take a cruise. <laughs> <laughs> you to go to Miami take a cruise, man. Good luck. Or you, you're trying to go to Europe. Now you have to drive to Canada just to fly out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, take a transatlantic cruise across. Good luck with that. Yeah, that sounds fun. Do they do those? Yeah, they still... You know what they do... A lot of time, well, they do transatlantic, but when they build a new cruise ship and they're bringing it to the United States, you can get, you can like fly there because you know they build most of them in Italy. Fly to Italy and sail across the ocean to with like when they bring the ship here, because you know they're not gonna miss out on the opportunity to make money. You're gonna be on that ship for like twenty days, oh. making it. so it'll be a whole bunch of old people, old retirees. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, go Janice, go Janice. Be bored, be so bored. <laughs> I'd be playing shuffleboard. They'd be like, this guy's a legend. <laughs> We'd be the only people in the club at nine o'clock. You know, all them old people they go to bed about eight thirty. Oh, shit, we go to bed by eight thirty. <laughs> we don't go to bed at eight thirty. If, if I got off early, we probably be nine thirty. Yeah, that's true. Oh, God, damn. Yeah, that's true. You won't lay down. In a perfect world, I'd be sleeping every night by ten o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, well. Mm-hmm. Because I guess another quick thing. Okay. Snoop Dogg got Death Row Records. He bought it? Yeah, he's somehow the owner of it now. But mm, I don't feel like it's going to have the same bite because it's too commercialized now. 
Yeah, like we saw a Death Row Records T-shirt in uh, Burlington last time we were in. <laughs> yeah, like I, I don't, I don't know about Death Row being Death Row anymore. Uh, yeah, I'm also not that big into, like I don't know that much about modern West Coast rap. So maybe on the West Coast, it's a big deal. It's still a pretty big deal, but I would have no clue. Yeah, every everybody has a record label now. As soon as you get too yeah. big, like okay, time for me to make a label. <laughs> that is true. But I don't know, is he, like, now is he going to try to do something where he's, like, giving people an opportunity to, um, like, you know how... On the music rights? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't really read the story. I, <laughs> I saw the headline, and I, I'm meant to read it, but I never did. Mm. And so we're here right now. It's been a week. Yeah. It's been a really, like... A very crazy week for us. So, Ooh. yeah, that's how I felt. Yeah, but you know, shit, I'm proud of Snoop. You know, he got a, he got his label now. Mm-hmm. Everybody else, he said Kanye got his, Jay Z got his. What Snoop gonna get his? Well, he got one. Mm-hmm. God won't be interested to see if he put out some more music. People gonna be like, yeah, I'm rough. I'm rough. They're like, Tommy, hey guys, yeah, just finished my Harvard degree. Um, I'm happy to be here. Now I don't know how you got to that conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> you so you saying. I don't even. I don't even know. Okay. I don't even know how to unpack what you <laughs> Well, I guess I'll start with uh first story. But before you do that though, uh, you do know that there who was that rapper that did go to Harvard or he like turned down a Harvard scholarship to rap? A uh, little perp, little pump, one of them little rappers. Oh, whatever they whatever they have to tell tell people too. Quiet as this cat. A lot of these new rappers are from the suburbs. Yeah. Just so y'all know, they're yeah. not from the types of environments that they, they're really more so actors and performers mm-hmm. who know how to, they think they dressing and talking like people who are from these other communities, but they really are from the suburbs. Mm-hmm. And they got mamas and daddies as dentists and lawyers and everything else. They sold a small amount of weed and some CBD gummies, and now they talk about how they were drug lords and they flipped all Atlanta upside down. With they mm-hmm. with they street crime like no bro you sold some weed and I think one time you sold a pill that does not mean you were controlling the market coming mm-hmm. up seventy I seventy five mm-hmm. don't worry that ain't you my guy <laughs> I do have one more mini before you start your story go ahead baby I think this one's gonna be you gonna really like this story all right this is from CNN a slot machine in Las Vegas malfunctioned and didn't tell a tourist he won the gaming board tracked him down. So he won uh, a $230,000 prize. A man later identified, his name was um, Robert Taylor. And for those who've been to Vegas before, he hit a slot machine in uh, Treasure Island Hotel and Casino, which is on the Strip. Don't tell my name, no damn. (laughs) Right? They put all his, might as well put his address. Um, But there, you know, like I said, there was a malfunction. And so it wasn't, like it didn't notify him of the win. Now, I do feel like the casino personnel were very honest in taking the time down to even notify him because he was out of state. He was from out of state, too. Mm-hmm. So they um, they went through hours of like surveillance videos, they interviewed witnesses, they went through like a whole bunch of different records and even like tracked his ride share data to be able to find him so he could get the money. I mean, you know what? I I can I can understand why they did that because that goes to the the gaming board in general. Mm. 
mm-hmm. like it probably comes up like, well, somebody hit it. What, what do you mean you didn't you didn't offer them the chance to get the money? Because you can always turn down the money if you win. That is true. But he never had the chance to say, I don't want that two hundred thousand dollars. Please do not give that to Man, me. Man, <laughs> could you imagine? <laughs> I mean, you don't. You like went to Vegas. You had a good time. You're like. Mm. Maybe I overdid a little bit. I spent a little bit more money. Because if he was staying in Treasure Island, he, he ain't a baller. And that's fine. Like, yeah. you know, whatever. He's staying at like a mid-price hotel on the strip. Having a good time. You're like, oh, dang. I might have went over my budget a little bit. But, you know, maybe I'll take my lunch in a couple of days. And a month later, they come knocking on your door. Oh, sir, you made uh, twice your annual income last weekend or a month ago. <laughs> Here's a quarter of a million dollars, sir. Yeah, and I, I mean, even you got to pay taxes on it, but still. I mean, yeah. I, first of all, I'm gonna make sure I, you know, I'm make sure I save that money, some of it. But I am planning me a big trip to Las Vegas, close family and friends. Let's go to go back. Yes, yeah. to get my when I go back to get my money. Yes, I'm in a suite, <laughs> man. Where's Benny Hanna, please? Cause you know they're gonna try to get him to um, like stay and gamble that money. Yeah. As they should, and mm-hmm. I come back too and get more some of it. Like I would have me, I would, if I if I secretly won that money and I found out like a month later, like okay, I'm planning another big trip there. Mm-hmm. And because you might as well, like why why not? You you know you might you might never get to have the opportunity again. Yep. I'll either do that or I would try to go to like a super. I'm doing some big event to celebrate that. Mm-hmm. Oh, Super Bowl. Oh, <laughs> sweet. Oh, that's another story. All right. Well, I'm ready for your main. Now I, gotta, now I gotta find this other story. Keep, keep, keep talking. <laughs> okay. Well, luckily for you, I have plenty of minis today. Um, <laughs> and another really weird, just poorly thought out decision. Um, Peloton is downsizing and they fired about 2,800 employees. And as part of the uh, compensation package, they gave them a one-year subscription to Peloton. Boy, I slapped them. They did that too. <laughs> that was part of the severance uh, package. So, um, for those who don't know, Peloton is that company. I'm sure you've seen their, their commercials. They offer a treadmill and a cycle, like a bike, a uh, stationary bike, and they have classes and they have a really cool app. Um, we've used Peloton before. I love it, love it, love it. But during the pandemic. They saw a huge spike in demand. It was like a six-month to a year delay to get your uh, equipment delivered at one point. They opened up a whole bunch of factories um, in the United States to like increase production. And then basically, now that people are kind of back out in the world, the sales and things have, have gone down. Um, and one of the things people talk about is just like, yeah, because a, a Peloton is a $2,000 investment. So how often is somebody buying? Like that's not a thing that you're gonna replace very often. Yeah, like once once I buy my Peloton, that's probably gonna last and work well for the next seven to ten years. I'm not gonna buy me. I'm not gonna have two in my house. I'm not gonna have three no, in my house. Typically not. Like at most, you're gonna have the bike and the tread. Because even with like, say you have a, a, multiple members in the house who want to ride a Peloton, it has shoes, so everybody can have different shoes. So you don't need to like you don't need it to be sized. And the classes are no more than 45 minutes. So I can ride the Peloton in the morning. You can ride in the evening. We can, you know, whatever. You don't need multiple Pelotons. Yeah. So other than the membership, it's not, a, it's not, a, you're not selling that much equipment. Yeah. You're, you're selling the classes at a certain extent. And mm-hmm. they just got lucky at the, at the right time, the right yep. place, a pandemic hit. 
people couldn't go to the gym, so they it, it did cause an increase in all their sales. But it's weird that they they couldn't see that that wasn't gonna last. Like people weren't gonna not go to gyms anymore. And they'd be like, oh, you got you got a year free Peloton membership. Oh, good. So I can think about every every time I go to work out that you yeah, I got fired from this company. Like, <laughs> no, I'd rather take them give that money because their membership is about I think the cheapest membership is about fourteen dollars a month. Put that in cash value of my severance. I don't care about that. Yeah, because I don't. I also I I don't know. Especially because they have so many brick and mortar stores, and it's like, mm-hmm. what are you, what are you going in there to get? Except, I know you said the shoes, and maybe like if something breaks, price clothes. Yeah, I mean that's it. Because if something breaks my Peloton, like I'm gonna just call the factory to get that piece. Like I'm not gonna go to the store. And the thing about Peloton is, you have to have a tech come um, out. So for instance, my mom owns a cycle. And there was an issue with like one of the meters on her bike and she had to wait for the tech to come out and fix it. It's not equipment that you can like, it's not other pieces that will fit onto a Peloton to easily replace. So it's sometimes a couple months wait for somebody in your area to even be available to help you fix it. So it's just kind of one of those things where like, well, you know, it stopped counting my, my movements or burn or calories or something is wrong on the calibration. And I couldn't get somebody to come out for two months. So I stopped using it. You know? Yeah, I stopped using it. I just went back to the gym. Uh-huh. Sold it sold on eBay for half the price because I didn't want it no more. And I think the other piece of that is it's a lot of things that over the last few years since Peloton was introduced, even Apple has a like a version of Peloton. They don't have the equipment, but they have like those same types of classes. So I could just go buy a cheaper version of a Peloton for maybe four thousand dollars mm-hmm. or eight hundred I mean not four thousand, four hundred or eight hundred bucks and put my phone up there and use a Peloton app or use a different app. Use an iPad. Hold get a whole iPad. That's the same screen. It's a literally the same thing. It's just it's a cycle with the screen on there. And I mean, maybe the Peloton gonna be nicer, but hey, I can get that one way faster. Mm-hmm. I can go to Dick's Sporting Goods, get that. Yeah, yeah shoot. I get the cheap bike, I get an iPad, and I get an Apple Watch. Ooh. I'm tracking my progress. I'm good. Yeah, $14.99 <laughs> for the app to the Peloton subscription. Call it a day. So I think these companies need to do better in terms of, uh, hey, if this made headline news, would we be embarrassed by what we told these uh, employees when we fired them? It, you know, it's on Peloton for overestimating the market. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, why why are you valuing yourself at, like, a Marvel? Like, look at us, yeah. guys. Yeah. Look how big we are. We're, like, we're a whole, we're Marvel Studios now. It's like, no, no, you're not. You're not. And, I mean, Peloton, like, it's a super cool company because they do have things, like, um, I remember when the Last Dance documentary came out, they had a Jordan, like a number 23 special edition ride. They do like special Beyonce workouts and Lady Gaga workouts and whoever, like the music on Peloton is good. The hosts are amazing. They don't advertise any of that. They don't advertise anything to do with their workout classes or like the personalities of a lot of their trainers outside of maybe TikTok. All you see is like on the commercials is these all people who are already skinny in these amazing rich houses on a Peloton. Mm-hmm. And your average person is not interested in that. But those are like the best workout classes I have ever taken. Like I loved working out with Peloton. And but they don't advertise that well. The other thing I think they should have done was come out with us like a lower cost version of their bike. Yeah. Like how Apple has layers of different like tiers of their phones. 
come out with an eight hundred dollar Peloton. Yeah, maybe that eight hundred dollar Peloton might break a little more, so maybe the person <laughs> feels like, you know what, I should get that that regular Peloton, so I know that's gonna last. And now you just sold two bikes. Yeah, come out with a Peloton light or or something, or something for people who like. Oh yeah, this Peloton is smaller. It's cheaper, but it can fold up and go into a closet in an apartment or something like that. You know, like I, I think it was a lot of places there that they could have made more money and they just chose not to. Mm-hmm. This this was a good business strategy. They weren't ready to adjust for a world that wasn't in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. right. Yeah, I guess moving along. Uh, mm-hmm. In my, 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 we just we just mini storying it up. There's a whole it's mini episode. It might be a mini show. Mini, mini show. Oh. <laughs> Thank you for the song. No problem. Um, the headline: Antonio Brown announces he's president of Kanye West Donda Sports with a <laughs> two. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the first things they got is a two million dollar Super Bowl suite purchase. <laughs> mm. Oh, blew the mic up. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not a sports expert. I'm not a Super Bowl expert. But what is the point of buying a $2 million suite at the Super Bowl? That's a great, great question. I think I was watching um, Pat McAfee's sports show when he brought it up. And I read a news article <laughs> about it. Because he was confused. And I'm still confused. I'm on, confused. But somebody brought up the point that uh, people go to the Super Bowl to, and you see other people, you mingle with them, maybe you invite investors to your uh, okay. in there, like, okay. hey, let's talk a little business, let's watch this game, look at us, we can afford a $2 million suite at the Super Bowl, so you know we got money, we know you got you. But it also wasn't clear if their sports agency, is it like, are you sponsor, Are you uh, representing athletes or are you selling sports apparel? It wasn't 100% clear yet. Oh, okay. I have several follow-up questions. <laughs> um, so that was going to be one of my questions in terms of who wants to be represented by Kanye West and Antonio Brown. Because I'm not even trying. I'm not by in no way, shape, or form am I making fun of people who have mental illnesses whatsoever. But I think in for somebody to be your manager and negotiating your contracts and your pay, you would want them to be stable, number one. Yeah. Um, Yes. Number two, why would Kanye West need to invest $2 million in a Super Bowl suite? Kanye West could call most people in the United States and ask them that they want to have a meeting, and it could be at a Denny's and they would show up. It could be in a parking lot and they would show. It could be on a Greyhound bus mm-hmm. and people would get on the Greyhound bus to have a meeting with Kanye. So he he doesn't need, he has enough star power. He doesn't need to invest in a $2 million suite to get people to sit down for a meeting with him. Yes. Yes. And I don't, it, it just doesn't make sense in terms of, because like, like you said, when your faces are of the company in terms of Kanye West and Antonio Brown, who've had issues of, not being able to regulate their emotions and blowing up and saying inflammatory statements in public. And now I'm supposed to put my future in their hands. And if I'm a, like, if I had a child and they were a top level athlete and they got a chance, I, I don't know if I would want Antonio Brown representing them. But not, he's not even, he, I mean, he was successful because he made it to the NFL, but he doesn't make good decisions about his career. So why would I trust him to help me make good decisions about my career? Yeah, like, are you going to negotiate a, a contract? Like, if I'm a, 
Now, if I'm an older star and I don't think I'm getting too many more contracts, I'm in my 12th year or I'm, I'm in my 7th year and I'm like, well, this might be it for me. Sure, I might take a chance on Kanye West and Antonio Brown representing me. Like, oh, it's cool. I'm in Kanye's brand, whatever. But if I'm like year three and I'm on my way to my second contract, which will probably be my biggest contract, and I'm talking in terms of football, mm-hmm. and poss- most likely your last contract, few people make it to a second contract mm-hmm. uh, after, their, after their original rookie one. Do I really want... Like, I don't even know who to be representing. Like, are they just, is it the start of the agency? And I, I, I don't want Antonio Brown trying to negotiate my contract with the Tampa Bay Bucks because they, they done disrespected him a year ago. Nah, right now, we turn that down. I'm like, uh, <laughs> you didn't even ask me. Like, I knew what was best for you. <laughs> oh, I know this is not bas- uh, football, but I'm thinking about when you were saying who would benefit anything from being represented by Kanye or Antonio Brown. It, it, correct me if I'm wrong. I may have the wrong basketball player's name in mind, but wasn't it like Jawan Howard that he was in the in the NBA for a long time, and the season he finally won the ring. It was his last season. He just sat on the bench the whole time, but the team he was on won the championship, and he finally got his ring and retired. Yeah, yeah, that happened. Yeah. I mean, like, if I'm Jawan Howard, like yeah, I let Kanye manage me for the last year. I'm not playing. Yeah, I'm, I'm retiring just... after this year. No matter what, so I'll let him manage. Yeah, he's he's not negotiating a second contract or anything. Or mm, I can't think of them. It's a Miami Heat player. Uh, I can't think of them. They played with D Wade. He played like all his whole career with Miami Heat. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point in his career, he just got like year to year contracts because he wasn't a big superstar. He wasn't gonna play the whole season. He probably mm-hmm. he might give you forty games. He was mostly there like a player coach type situation. Mm-hmm. But they brought him back every year and they gave him a contract. Like nobody really needed to negotiate his contract. Right. And he right. were gonna bring him back on a on a one year contract the next year, no mm-hmm. matter what. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter who was representing him. Right, exactly. <laughs> and the other thing too is Kanye West and Antonio Brown both have a history of burning bridges publicly with people like dragging your name through the mud when they have a beef with you. So for me, if I'm watching Kanye West and I'm like, okay, he dogged Drake out, he dogged Jay-Z out, Kim Kardashian, Amber Rose, uh, Nike, all these European Mm -hmm. fashion houses that tried to uh, partner with him. I can't remember who the other person was. It was somebody who was running his charity um, back when he was claiming that he was broke. And it was a few other people. He just completely went on podcasts in public places and we've, we're literally watching him do it right now on Instagram with his ex-wife and the mother of his children. Why the hell? Could you imagine trying to lead that agency? Yeah, because it's, it's different. Like, hey, they don't they don't like my clothes. I make my own clothes. They don't like my music. I make my own music. If you don't like what that baseball team said about your player and you talk bad about them and you talk bad about four other teams, there's only mm-hmm. 30 teams in the or 30 or 32 teams in Major League Baseball, where are you going to go play? And tell private business, too. Because Kanye <laughs> going to tell you business. That's why I'm like, mm, so is Antonio Brown. Like, the way he dogged out Tom Brady. And, of course, I don't know nothing about what happened behind closed doors. But I do know people don't like people who gossip and tell on you when you fall out with them. So, I mean, of course, there's going to be people who will sign with him. Yeah. And we'll see how it go. But yeah. that's that's a wild combination. Yeah, just a, just a little overview of it, I guess. Uh-huh. Donda Sports was fi- founded with the vision of providing holistic support to athletes during and beyond their sports career. When the game is done, 
Don the sports. It's not done. With oh, you. that's cool. That's actually a pretty cool pitch. Mm-hmm. I just I like like we were discussing. I I, I just don't know if those those are the guys. Those aren't <laughs> the best front guys for something that's supposed to to be representing my career that can easily fall apart with a with a one bad pick from you guys. Now I think it's one of those things where if if Kanye West and um Antonio Brown are kind of like silent or hands off investors. And they have people in there who actually kind of know what they're doing and they have a good track record managing it. I love the idea of, hey, we don't drop you as soon as you stop working and then you just on your own to figure things out. I think we've had that conversation about, like, you know, college sports players before on the podcast. I like that idea. I just don't like the idea of putting my very young career in Kanye West's hands. I don't trust yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's the issue. I mean, he get apparently Antonio Brown's the president, one of the presidents of this company, and I'm like, ugh, that's a. Right, what does your title entail? You doing on a day to day basis? So, I'm I'm a victim. I too am a victim. Like, I just, uh, <laughs> what's that have to do with me? My, my me training for the draft, but okay. <laughs> oh wow. Well, you know what? I wish him the best. I wish those two spoiled millionaires the best. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, my main story today is a little bit of like a double main story, but it has a it has a connecting theme. Um, so the first one is I'm sure we've all heard about Dave Chappelle um, pulling a NIMBY. And basically what happened was the community in Ohio where he's grown up and lived he had an agreement to invest $65 million in um, developing the area. And so recently at a town hall meeting, he stood up and without saying so directly, basically implied that if they allocated um, some of the area for low-income housing, that he would withdraw the funding and basically that would collapse the project. So for context, before anybody starts defending De Chappelle, it was less than 2% of the, the land allocated for the development. So it would have been a very, very, very small portion of the community that would have been low-income housing. And as a result of his presence at the town hall meeting, the, the low-income housing was struck down. So there would not be low-income housing in that area. And so the other story um, that I have is somewhat related to that it's from the Almanac, and it's about an area, um, a community named Woodside in the Santa Cruz area um, <coughs> that froze a development project citing an exemption for mountain lion habitats. So basically, this is a very um, well-to-do community in California, and they, rather than getting any low-income, affordable housing, um, any of those types of things, they decided to just get the land zoned as a mountain lion sanctuary or habitat. So they can never get any houses there either? Anything extra. So the, the mountain lions are protected species uh, in California. And so the, they were able to use that act uh, to get the whole entire neighborhood turned into a mountain lion habitat. <laughs> Since our houses are already here, now you can't build more because there's mountain lions everywhere. Hmm. Yep, yep. So it uh, limits units um, under, I think the ordinance is called SB9 to 800 square feet, prohibited basements, excluded developments in areas at high risk of wildfires. So um, there were no housing applications submitted to the town 
under SB9 before projects applications were halted, uh, according to the people, you know, reporting on the story. So basically, people are saying, well, we don't want to value housing over the environment. But everybody pretty much knows it wasn't about the mountain lions. It was y'all don't want to have, you know, apartments or um, cheaper housing built in that area. Yeah, they, they don't they don't want low low income people coming in because it, it's one of those things. It's not all people that make low income, but a small portion of of those of people making lower income have do a lot more property crimes. Mm-hmm. And they don't want they don't want to see the rise in the property crimes. I, I mean, I I understand that because nobody wants in any of their property damaged or broken into or anything. Yeah. Um. But where I mean, where 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 are we supposed to get people to live? They got to exactly. go somewhere. In we, a state like California, of of all places, where it's like the cost of living is crazy. Yeah, like know? we we gotta we have to be able to make affordable houses somewhere. Right. And it's, and it's like there are they're already in their house. Like yeah, we're, we just wanna. We're going to build 45 housing units here and move everybody here. They're going to be nice. It's going to be a nice neighborhood. We're going to vet everybody before they move in. Like, no, we can't do that. Like, why yeah. not? Why yeah. not? It seems like a nice a nice thing to do. And yeah. I, I say that now because I'm not a, I'm not a homeowner. And I, and I, can, <laughs> I can see from their side of why, why they would at least be worried. Yeah, I totally understand. Like, you, you pay, you know, when you buy a house, you're paying for the, the structure, but you're also paying for the neighborhood you know, for a lot of people, you're paying for the schools or a feeling of safety. Like, I know personally, I have chosen to pay more for an apartment because I wanted to come in late. You know, if I, if I knew from my schedule, I had to come in at 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night. I wanted to not have to look over my shoulder mm-hmm. and be scared somebody's going to hit me upside the head. Or I wanted to know, like, you know, that I was in a secure building. So I 100% understand you want to pay for something. You want to live a certain type of way. But the other side of that is... People, like you said, they have to lay their hair somewhere. And California has a huge working homeless issue. Well, like other parts of the country do too, but especially in California, because you can work a full-time job and make a decent wage, but you can't afford a house. Yeah. You know? And so I feel like the worst part about it to me is, you know, Dave Chappelle, a person like that, who he will criticize, you know, he will be critical of all these different social issues but then it's like, bro, I don't want him in my backyard. I mean, he did say in his comments, sketch, talking about that meth head breaking in his house. I mean, he said it. Yeah, we, we weren't paying attention. Yeah. And, you know, same thing with, like, these, you hear these celebrities and these other people who are claiming to be liberals, but then they be at the school board meeting, well, I don't want, I don't want my child's school being, being opened up to kids, bust, kids busting in from other communities. It's like, oh, why not? I thought it wasn't nothing wrong with those kids. Cause you be on Twitter all day calling out people for saying racist stuff, mm-hmm. but then quiet as it's kept. You don't want your kids in school with the kids from across the river either. Mm-hmm. We only want their athletes and some of their mathematicians. We don't want none, yeah. nobody else. Well, is it going to be just the gifted students? No, but it's going to be everybody because we want all the kids to have the resources of this community. Well, why do they want to come over here? Because all the people who are the highest income and pay them pay, you know, higher taxes, they have better schools. You move out of the low income neighborhoods into higher income areas, you take the wealth out. So when people, you know, oh, I can afford a $500,000 house, I can afford a million dollar house. I'm not going to stay in this lower income neighborhood I'm going to take my wealth and therefore my taxes and my investment in the community out. 
and I'm going to take the businesses with me when I leave too. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, well, I don't, I don't want them in our schools. It's like, yeah, but you are leaving these other communities with no choice. <laughs> People got to go somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody has to go somewhere and it, it, it makes it difficult. Like there's no, there's no good answer because people still have to pay for their housing. You pay, you pay, and and that goes to that classism. You pay a uh, million dollars for a house. You don't want them to put uh, a mile down the street a bunch of affordable houses for people like what well, y'all don't deserve. And they feel like they don't deserve to be there. Like I pay so much money for this house. Why are you paying a house that could be valued at a half million dollars? You're paying a uh, hundred thousand for it because it's affordable now. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't like that. And they start rapping. Drive, but it's like they move in, they buy these houses, they drive with the value of living in the community. Then the people have to move out of that community, but now there's no affordable housing for them to go elsewhere. So, is the solution just move out of the state? Mm-hmm. Be, but I feel like that's also unrealistic because it doesn't feel like that for feel like it for some of us, but most people never leave the area where they were born. They don't leave the city they were born in, much less the state. So, like, for example, what's happening to the native Hawaiians right now? A lot of them have to leave Hawaii because they can't afford to live there anymore. They can't afford to work there anymore. That's a really jarring thing. It's not a solution. I know people are like, well, you can't afford to you have to live somewhere else, but move away from your source of support, from your maybe a parent that you're caregiving. Maybe it's, you can't easily get a job in another state. It costs a lot of money to move mm-hmm. and to relocate. So if, I mean, if, if it gets to the point where I can't live in my city anymore, then you have a, you begin to have a problem like they have in Aspen, Colorado right now, where all the working class people have moved because they can't afford to live in the area where they work. And now they don't have any people to work. So it's like a very complicated, complex problem. And I think one of the best solutions is the tax money needs to be distributed more equally. You know, it's the same thing of like when you go into a wealthy neighborhood, they get their streets plow first. The kids have the best technology in the school. All their street lights work at night. So maybe it's not as many dark alleys for people to get robbed in. The trash is picked up. Yeah. They don't have as many parking tickets and no parking areas enforced. They don't have red light cameras in nice areas. Like, you know, equity and that so social justice reform I know people don't like to hear those words but it makes life easier for everybody conservative liberal black white whatever like apply the tax money evenly equally divest in the invest in the neighborhoods like in Chicago it snows the same all over the city but some cities gonna have potholes to the point where you can see the cobblestone from old Chicago they have never repaved those streets and then other cities other areas of the city, it's, it's constantly getting attention, constantly taken care of. And everybody's paying taxes. Yeah, everybody paying, everybody paying their fair share of taxes to the, for the most point. Yeah, not, not, the, not the millionaires and the billionaires, which are average. Like, you're middle, lower class to upper middle class people. We all pay our fair share in taxes. Yes, the government's getting every every bit of it. And if right. I pay a little little over, they might send that back to me at the end of the year, fiscal year. But mm-hmm. they're they taking their cut. Yeah, because if I, if I make $19,000 a year, I'm paying my fair share in tax and tax less than you because you make seventy five, But I'm still paying my fair share in taxes, so my community should be taken care of too. Mm-hmm. I, 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 hey, that's what it's there for. 
Why, why, why are we treating, <laughs> trying to treat them different just because I, I, I want to be able to afford a house too and I can't do it? Mm. Well, that just means you can't get a house. I'm like, no, that's right. That's not how this system should work. I, I, yeah. I should still be, should be able to get a home. Right. And I don't think anybody's asking for, you know, a mansion with a pool. I'm just saying I should be able to afford something. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, I don't. I can't think of. A, I, I'm assuming Dave Chappelle that's a great neighborhood. Great. But I, I doubt they're asking to stay in the middle of downtown or all the houses right next to all the all those big houses that are probably apparently there. No, there is probably some houses down, down, way down the road on the right. other side of town that y'all ain't never going to see unless you have to drive through there. Right. And to me, I feel like, well, what's the alternative? Like, OK, maybe you don't want this this uh, community being built right on your backyard. But do you have an alternative that you can suggest? Are you going to invest your money? into making housing affordable and for other people elsewhere in the city or nearby the answer usually tends to be no so i mean i'm nobody is saying that you should have to be living in a slum and you have to be getting knocked upside the head because you know it's a meth head living next door to you i don't think anybody is saying that we're just saying yes some of the some of the places in a city should be designated affordable mm-hmm so people can afford to live and work in the city or at least near it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's my story. Dave Chappelle, you suck. You were a funny guy at one point, but that, that was a crappy thing to do. A little crappy. I think it was crappy. Mm-hmm. Now, 30 years from now, I might be on a podcast like, oh, we got some new neighbors. Oh, <laughs> we going to have to move. This neighborhood ain't what it used to be. Where did, we, where did it go? Where did it go? Uh, oh, we have to get out of here with these pools. <laughs> <laughs> fencing in our pool and our, fencing our house in. and everything. I know you said you're going to get some ring cameras. Mm, I'll be ringed out. Uh, <laughs> or so, whatever brand, of, whatever brand of camera needs us to sponsor and know how they properly work, mm. I'm open to them. Mm. Alarm going off all day, every day. <laughs> <laughs> got, the, got that Walmart brand camera. I think. No, <laughs> I think looking at itself like, how, 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 why are the cameras looking at each other? Like, I don't know. <laughs> oh man! Well, we had a fantastic series of stories. You got another one for us? Oh, y'all wrapped up? Uh, I do, but I think I think we had enough story times. Yeah, we had yeah. a good time today. Yeah, good time. We fussed, we laughed. A lot of fussing. <laughs> we learned. We learned. Our, our knowledge grew, and I'm happy y'all were here to grow with us as we not only taught each other, but hopefully taught our audience something too. Did we? What did we teach, <laughs> what did we teach them today? They know. They'll say something when they, they learn. Okay. But thank y'all again for listening. Yeah, happy Valentine's Day. Hey. Oh, very quick before we wrap up, what team are you predicting? I'm getting you down on tape. To oh, the man. Bowl. I'm predicting. I'm going to be so wrong. Somebody's going to listen to this on Tuesday. They're going to be like, this big dummy right, right here. Right. <laughs> I'm saying Bengals in the Super Bowl upset. Mm. Who do you have winning? I don't know who I'm winning, but I would like to be one of those people who who uh puts like a fifty cent bet and wins fifty thousand dollars. That's why you probably have to do like a some crazy parlay magic trick thing to for that to happen. But okay. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll do we'll do that. We'll find one. Yeah, so if y'all don't hear from us next week, that's because we we rich now. (laughs) Wishful thinking. But yeah, we'll tell you how our bets go by whatever happens. But thank y'all again and have a good one.